Moscow. So not even um, in selection. Not even in selection. We, we had a very different selection process. I mean, yours was much more rigorous physically, I think. And it reminds me of speaking to some of my Canadian colleagues who do all sorts of bizarre stuff during the Canadian selection process, like having to dive to the bottom of pools and do the jigsaw puzzles and things and being locked in a room that's filling with water and having to do mental exercises before you can get out. Uh, the European Space Agency was actually very civilised in comparison. Um, we, a way to uh, improve on GCSE results, wouldn't it? <laughs> in the classroom. Anyway. I'm just thinking how sad Pressure it is, though. If you'd managed to do everything, you didn't vomit, you got to the bottom of the sea, you did all that stuff, but you weren't very good at jigsaws. That's a really... <laughs> find the corners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all of this in the uh, psychological tra- tra- training and psychological testing for our selection was a lot of this, you know, on a two-dimensional piece of paper, can you envisage what it's like in three dimensions, twist around this, this apparent shape 90 degrees in a certain way, and w- what shape do you end up with? Um, is it A, B, C or D, that kind of thing. So that was all done in a sort of a psychological testing profile. Mm. And that was, that was similar to the European selection. We had lots of psychological testing, um, psychological profiling throughout the whole year. So there was no way you could possibly cheat. So by the end of the year, they really had a good grasp on what your character and personality was like. But, but that's um, why that film was rubbish then, wasn't it, with Sandra Bullock in it, when, they, or when she's just a complete introverted, introspective mess. In the selection process, she'd have lasted about three seconds, wouldn't they? She'd have gone, oh, I, I don't really... Get out! No, no, no. Mark, you don't remember the scene where she did a 300-piece jigsaw puzzle of Corfe Castle? Yeah. So... <laughs> If Sandra Bullock had realised she'd got a backpack on in the first five minutes of the film, she'd have steered herself back to the space station and everything would have been fine and there'd be no film. So, you know, <laughs> Can I just say that for people listening to Monkey Cage, you will have heard last week's episode where Robin also mentioned Corf Castle in a different <laughs> context. Would you like to tell people... No, I won't. You'll have to listen and find out some of my, uh, my Corf Castle secrets. He had Today's an... episode is brought to you by English Heritage. Yeah, um, he, had, he had an erotic dream about the masonry at Corf Castle. Yeah. Well, it was a show all about the science of dreams, right? It wasn't halfway through <laughs> anyway. a show about periodic tables saying, can I stop you there, Professor? I had a dream about Corf Castle and it was eroticised masonry. Um, but so that would have probably space, meant... Sorry. I've, sorry no, my favourite mention of space ever in the media was uh, on the weakest link. Uh, my favourite answer ever on that programme. And the question was, what structure built in the second century AD is said to be the only building visible from outer space? And the bloke said, the Millennium Dome. <laughs> <laughs> to be wrong for so many reasons. <laughs> but but well, t- Tim, you, you were, um, I suppose you took the traditional route in a sense that you were a test pilot. Yes. Before. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it was much more traditional. Ha- having said that, you know, uh, the, the, my colleagues were, were not all military test pilots. And uh, we have scientists, engineers, medical doctors, um, all selected uh, in the European Space Agency and school teachers as, as well within the astronaut corps. So uh, we select from a much more diverse background now than when people might traditionally think back to the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo program and, and those early Russian cosmonauts as well who all kind of 
alpha male fast jet test pilot community. Uh, so it's, it's very different now. And um, what's fascinating is to see how the selection criteria has changed over the years as well, from going that, uh, from that, the, the very initial sort of testing of spacecraft into the unknown and pushing the boundaries, to now looking at long-duration spaceflight. And as Helen was saying, you know, talking about medical fitness and psychological fitness, being able to live up there for six months, a year, looking forward to, you know, three-year missions to Mars. Is that the biggest obstacle now, then? Because that's sort of, you know, as the lay person, that's what you hear with, when they're talking about, for instance, people going to Mars. That seems to be the biggest obstacle, not the actual business of getting someone there, but of getting someone there without them going so doolally they can barely do a six, six jigsaw piece <laughs> of... Um, Lulworth Castle. But, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, speaking to some of the Apollo astronauts, there's a, there's a huge shift in perspective from seeing the Earth just in low Earth orbit to seeing the Earth from 400,000 kilometres away. But even then, the Earth is, is recognisable as, as our home planet. But when you go on a, tri- a trip to Mars and the Earth disappears to just one of the other bright lights in the sky, just like any other star, and you really have lost visibility of your home planet, that will have a psychological impact on the crew. And you've got to make sure people are aware of that and they're trained for that and they're the right character and personality to deal with that. And for that length of time as well, and the, and the you know the prospect that you're going on an extremely high-risk mission. I think it's also the communication, so from Earth to Mars. So in low Earth orbit, it's pretty much instantaneous to get radio signals from the ground up to space station. But if you go to Mars, of course, it could take at best about four minutes to get a signal to Mars. Worse, when Mars is furthest away, we're talking over 20 minutes, and then another 20 minutes or so to get that signal or that, that reply back to Earth. So I think it's that isolation as well. It's not just sort of seeing the Earth. You know, the Apollo astronauts, they went relatively for a very, relatively short time, actually. And it's only been Soviets and the Russians who were up for actually for very long periods of time. They typically went for six 